Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is a transfer portal edition of the Bama Online podcast on your YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL, joined by fellow staffers Clint Lamb, Jimmy Stein. It is a Friday morning, fellows, but as we know, the transfer portal does not sleep. And in the last 24 hours, as it relates to the Alabama Crimson Tide, the news got, I would say at least, Jimmy, a little more newsier with Ja'Cory Brooks and Isaiah Hastings entering the portal uh initial thoughts just on how this week has unfolded to this date understanding again it's friday morning we're open for business we're anticipating a little bit of anything and everything but to this point has it transpired maybe the way you thought it would in this first week a little bit i think the fact that alabama's in the college football playoff is the biggest factor here if alabama was not in the college football playoff and was headed to a, a bowl game, a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, I, I, I think there would be more. I think there would be more. I, I expect more. I think the pace of it has been dictated by the fact that kids aren't in a big hurry to leave a program that's about to be in the playoff. Let's, let's be honest, a lot of kids that know they're unlikely to play in the game uh, still would like that Rose Bowl swag bag <laughs> and all the things that come with playing in the playoff. You could also be one turned ankle away from actually uh, playing a big role uh, in, in a playoff game. So I think uh, I think the fact that Alabama's in the playoff is uh, dictating the pace of which Alabama players are entering the portal. In terms of the four uh, players who are in the portal from Alabama, uh, I've, yet, I've yet to be surprised, but uh, who knows what's to come. Yeah, you know, I, I'm with you. I, I'm down with that swag that swag gear. I want that windsuit. I want that college football playoff windsuit. I want the Rose Bowl swag. I want the gift suite. I want all those things. I mean, even in the NIL era, you can't undervalue those type of opportunities. And Clint, as we look at this group now, four players, as we know, former players are potentially guys that could still return to Alabama. We need to add that caveat when we talk about the transfer portal. But as it looks right now, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, Isaiah Hastings, uh, Tyler Buckner, and Tyu Jones-Bell, the latter two making their intentions known earlier in the week. I would guess, though, Ja'Cory Brooks, in terms of impact during his time at Alabama, Clint, hard to overlook what this guy did. Even though 2023 certainly wasn't the season a lot of us anticipated for number seven, memorable moments for Ja'Cory Brooks over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, he made some big time plays and some big time moments. And for a receiver, um, that's that's all you can really ask. Uh, granted, were there some moments maybe in the national championship when he was a true freshman where he wasn't quite ready uh, to assume a major role in Alabama's offense? Yes, but he's a guy who worked extremely hard, whether it be on special teams. One of the things that every time his name gets brought up, Nick Saban has talked about his impact on special teams and how much he's meant to that facet of the game. And, you know, for a five-star guy, 
we saw other receivers come in in that same recruiting class who didn't take the same approach, who wanted to be, you know, a star on the offense and all those things. And Ja'Cory Brooks was a five-star player. He put his head down, he went to work, and he earned his way onto the field, then makes a huge play against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Uh, you know, made, you know, a couple of big catches during his freshman season, obviously led the team in targets last year, led the team in receiving touchdowns. I think he was only two or three yards behind Jermaine Burton in receiving yardage, only had one less catch. So I kind of view them as co-leading receivers because they led in different categories. Um, but you know, Jermaine Burton, he's still a part of that. And for one reason or another, and I think it has a lot to do with not anything necessarily that Corey Brooks did wrong. It's an injury, I think, played a factor in it. And also, it's just there were other guys who were extremely talented who are ready to step up and take larger roles. And, you know, there's only one football, and you've got a lot of different playmakers, you know, in Alabama's offense. And so somebody had to lose some some reps and some targets. And unfortunately, I think part of it, like I said, is injury-related. But uh, I think that also part of it's just there was other guys ready to step up. Yeah, after catching 39 passes for 674 yards and eight touchdowns in 2022, you figured if this was going to be his last season at Alabama, it might have more to do with the NFL than moving on via the portal. However, after this forgettable 2023 campaign that started with what essentially seemed to be a demotion and ended with the injury situation that you talked about, Clint, he had an injury against LSU. Um, uh, here we are for a guy who caught touchdown passes in four of the last five games of his sophomore season. So in departing, Ja'Cory Brooks completes the mass exodus of Alabama's 2021 wide receiver class that you alluded to as well, Clint. Think back to that season, as you said, especially down the stretch. Between those guys and the 2020 group of wide receiver signees, opportunities really for all of them to step forward with the injuries to Mechie and the injury to Jamison Williams. And really, when I think about those two groups, Treshawn Holden, Ja'Cory Brooks, JoJo Earl, to an extent when he was healthy, they provided the most impact of those two classes. Um, and again, as you, you, you said it, memorable moments for Ja'Cory Brooks, no doubt about it. That game-tying grab against Auburn, two seasons ago, chief among them. You also said also impactful on special teams where he showed up big on punt blocks against Texas A&M in 2021. And don't forget about the one he had against Ole Miss this season too. So it's not like it was entirely a lost season in 2023 for Books Brooks. But still, just surprising in some ways, Jimmy, that Brooks's time in the program came to a close like it did. Yeah, it's kind of a um, disappointing ending, I'm sure, for Ja'Cory, but even for the fans a little bit. I mean, a uh, big play guy. Uh, there was a point, uh, I think, during 2022 where I felt that when it was third and seven and Alabama absolutely needed to make the first down to keep the chains moving, I hope Bryce was, was going to find seven uh, because uh, I think he did a better job of creating a little separation and catching catching a uh, contested ball yeah, I think it was seemed sort of like Jimmy it seemed like it seemed like Bryce trusted maybe Ja'Cory Brooks yeah. more than any other guy as that season went along no good good it wasn't just me that's who I that's who I trusted to catch the ball on, on third down and in a season when receivers weren't really stepping up uh so uh, he was a good player hey look it's Nick Saban's Alabama it's a Nick don't be surprised 
if a completely healthy Ja'Cory Brooks is a really good college football player next season. No one should be surprised if that's the case. Uh, it's just not easy to get on on the field and stay on the field at Nick Saban's Alabama because he's always recruiting another one. And you may be good, but there's another one coming. <laughs> and you may be good, but it's hard to get in the lineup. Uh, Brooks is a good player. Uh, you know, I, I think philosophically, though, sometimes that fifth star that some kids are awarded, it's heavy. You know, it's heavy because it creates this expectation. And wh where I get frustrated uh, just as a fan of college football for these kids is sometimes I see kids that carry the weight of that fifth star and the expectations get a little silly and a little unfair in terms of what we might expect out of some of them. And uh, Ja'Cory Brooks was a good player. Uh, he, he, should, he shouldn't ever be considered anything other than a good player, uh, regardless of, uh, of that fifth star he was awarded. Uh, so I wish him well. His, his speech on the way out the door was written extremely well. Look, I have, I have seven years of higher education, uh, and, and I was an English minor. Uh, I don't think I could write what, what your Corey Brooks wrote on his way out the door. I thought that was really special, too. Eloquent and classy. To the finish, yes. no doubt about that statement from Ja'Cory Brooks. And I don't make many NASCAR analogies here on our YouTube home, but you're right. At any position on a Nick Saban football team, you can go from sort of drafting or up top in the in the pecking order of the race to getting reshuffled pretty quickly. And if you do get reshuffled, it can be really hard to get back up to the top three or four. And I think that's part of what happened with Ja'Cory, too. And, of course, the injury over the second half of the season didn't help with that. Now, if we were to go through this list of uh, transfer portal entries from this Alabama team, in terms of potential, I guess the next guy we'll talk about would qualify, certainly there with Brooks, Isaiah Hastings, the second-year defensive lineman, Toronto, Canada native who spent his senior high school season of high school football at Clearwater Academy International in Florida, saw action in one game in his two seasons with the Crimson Tide, recorded a tackle in that game, a win over ULM in 2022. You know, it's a developmental position. So the expectation is that it will take most guys time to become rotational options. And you, know, you look at Tim Keenan and some others for more on that. Still, Given what we saw from true freshmen this season, like Edrick Hill, Jordan Renaud, James Smith, Clint, the decision by a second-year DL to move on in this era of college football, I guess, it's probably not all that shocking. No, it's not. Um, I kind of thought maybe he'd give it one more year uh, just because he. I, I, I thought coming out of high school that he was going to be you know, a little bit uh, of a project. He was going to take a little bit longer than some other guys, but I really liked the upside. And I guarantee you there are going to be some programs around the country that like the upside, especially now that he's kind of got that been developed by Alabama for the last couple of years. But, you know, 6'4", 290, can kind of play all up all along your defensive front, can play some 3-4 defensive end, can play some tackle. Um, and, you know, really a lot of, like I said, a lot of upside. And it's just like you said, the defensive line rotation, you typically got a lot of guys involved in that, but Alabama's recruited that position well, uh, especially late. But then also some of the development of guys has just created this situation where there's not going to be a whole lot of opportunities in the foreseeable future. Like when you look at some of the guys who are going to be gone, Justin DeBoy B, uh, probably Tim Smith, maybe not, but I would assume so considering he's a senior. And, 
you know, when you look at that, just those two guys, you've got other guys who are ready to step up and assume larger roles. James Smith, Jordan Renald, you mentioned him, uh, who've shown some promise. And so just, you know, a guy like Isaiah Hastings, he's probably wondering where he stands as far as the pecking order and would he have an opportunity to climb and move up. But I do think uh, this wasn't really a situation where he was a disappointment. Uh, I think it was more of he was going to be more of a long-term developmental defensive lineman. and. You know, when you give it two years, it, understandably so, that's not me taking a shot at him, but when it's only been two years, that development quite hasn't quite happened to the degree that it needs to. And you're a guy that's probably also anticipating the potential for incoming portal guys, perhaps, at your position along that defensive front, as we've heard rumblings about here in the last couple of days. And look, Jimmy, even with limited playing time at Alabama, is Clint alluded to early on there and talking about Isaiah uh, seeing Hastings self-report offers from ACC and Big Ten programs in the immediate aftermath of his entry to the portal I guess that only speaks to not only his potential but again the value of that position that he plays absolutely defensive line is a uh, kind of the gold of, of of recruiting and roster management it's just hard to find big people with that level of athleticism that, that's required but you know what's disappointing to me it, it's the system as a whole it's it's not hastings it's the system and it's a developmental sport and that's a developmental position uh, very few just show up ready-made sec defensive linemen you're talking about the the freaks of the freaks that are able to do that uh, it's a developmental spot. And what's a little unfortunate in terms of how the system has been created now in college football is you sign a developmental prospect like Isaiah Hastings, like Clint said, that's going to take a while. It's going to take a minute for him to to learn the spot and, and the strength and conditioning and to know all he needs to know. And then Alabama does all the hard work and someone else is going to be the beneficiary of all the work Alabama did to recruit him, to develop him, to get him ready to play. Now he's going to show up somewhere else. Uh, close to ready to play, maybe not quite ready, but close to, to ready. And uh, and someone else will reap the benefits of that. It's kind of uh, uh, unfair that that's the system for uh, for schools this day, but it, it is what it is. Uh, look, you can't blame the kid. He wants to play. Uh, who, who wouldn't want to play, especially when you're 20 years old and you, you put in all the work? So there's no bad guy here uh, at all. It's just the system. It is what it is. And you just wish him well. Uh, I would just urge for Isaiah to pick his next place smartly. Pick it smartly. If you're going someplace because you're upset with not getting on the field, then go somewhere you're going to get on the field. Don't don't sign with Ohio State. I mean, I'm just being brutally honest. Don't sign with Ohio State. Don't sign with Michigan. If you're going somewhere to play, pick a place where you will play. And uh, that that's that's my agent advice for Isaiah today. <laughs> We always like to to have that available to us here on the program from Jimmy Stein. Uh, also, earlier in the week, guys, we heard from Tyler Buckner, the one-time Notre Dame quarterback, transfers to Alabama for the 2023 season, headed back to Notre Dame now as a lacrosse player. How about that? Uh, Tyler Buckner, a national recruit in both football and lacrosse coming out of high school. He spent the 2021 and 2022 seasons, of course, in South Bend, before reuniting with former Irish offensive coordinator Tommy Reese in Tuscaloosa. He got the start this season against USF following the loss to Texas, 5 of 14 for 34 yards in that game in Tampa. He also rushed twice 
for 11 yards. And it seemed like, Jimmy, after he missed Jermaine Burton on that post route in the second quarter of that USF game, that was pretty much the last we saw a Tyler Buckner behind center for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, it just didn't work out great for him. I, you know, I, I, I hate it that that I hope he's not leaving with, gosh, my time at Alabama was a total disaster. I wish that had never happened. I, I hope that's not the, the the memory. I hope he's got some good memories of uh, of practicing with the team and, and is somehow able to uh, erase what happened in Tampa. Because uh, I would prefer, even though we didn't do it here, I would prefer to remember Tyler Buckner as the MVP of the Gator Bowl. I mean, he beat an SEC team in the Gator Bowl when he was at Notre Dame. Uh, he won the starting job at Notre Dame not once but twice. Uh, had an injury situation uh, that that kept him out of, of a lot of starts there. Uh, I, I wish the best for him. I, I, I'm glad that that Alabama uh, offered him an opportunity, and he said yes. That's what I, I'm grateful for as an Alabama guy. Uh, that he said yes when when Alabama said, "Hey, we we need you," and he said okay, and, and he gave it a shot. So uh, I, I hope things work out for him. Uh, it, it was obviously not working here. Uh, who would have guessed uh, the Jalen Milrow when he arrived and the Jalen Milrow that he's leaving almost feel like two entirely separate people, right? Uh, he shows up because we're not sure who the quarterback's going to be. And then he's leaving with Alabama starting quarterback in the Heisman picture, especially for 2024. Uh, so that that's pretty amazing. But, uh, hey, good luck with the lacrosse thing. And uh, – Hey, this is what I'll do for Buckner uh, next year. If I hear that lacrosse is going to be on one of the ESPNs and Notre Dame is playing, uh, I'll flip it on. I'll flip it on and pull for you, kid. Yeah, watch some Tyler Buckner on the lacrosse field maybe in 2024. But, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say without Tyler Buckner, who knows if we would have got the definitive commitment to Jalen Milrow. Maybe it took Tyler Buckner to get this Alabama staff to that point, that's probably not a perspective they would rather view it from, but it seemed to require that process before the definitive decision was made to roll with Jalen Milrow. Um, you know, when you think about uh, the quarterback position too, Clint, and the potential, I guess, for more attrition at that spot because Milrow seems to be, should be entrenched right now. I don't think there's any seams about it. Uh, Julian Sayan set to join this mix in a few weeks. So even with Buckner moving on, you're still talking about potentially five scholarship quarterbacks as the calendar turns to 2024. Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, Dylan Lonergan, Eli Holstein, and now Julian Sayan. Yeah, and that's, I think <clears throat> fans have, I hope they haven't got a false sense of what the quarterback position is supposed to be in a transfer portal era because you're not going to be rolling with five quarterbacks most years. I mean, it's just that's the bottom line. I would say three is probably a, a pretty safe assumption. Maybe sometimes you can squeeze in four, and that's great if you can. I'm sure Alabama would like to have four, but there's a lot of guys that want to play, and you know, I, I thought it was a rare situation that they were able to get five, and I'll give Tyler Buckner you know, um, some slack because he didn't arrive until late and he was trying to compete for a job that other guys have been competing for months and been building, you know, chemistry with the the pass catchers and, you know, chemistry in the locker room with all the different players. And, 
you know, he was able to climb up to the number two job. I think the writing was pretty much on the wall when he goes from number two to number one for a, a brief period. And the next thing you know, he's he's the number four quarterback and they're playing a road game against Mississippi State and they have three centers and Tyler Buckner has a, you know, a trainer or somebody, you know, snapping him the football or going through, you know, in pregame warmups. He didn't even have anybody to snap it to him. And so you knew, I mean, he's dropped all the way to number four at the very least. And that probably is going to end his time as far as playing at Alabama. But he gave it at all his all. He it was a tough situation for him to be in. I'm sure it was a, a kind of a, I wouldn't say a culture shock, but I'm sure Alabama compared to Notre Dame was a little bit different. Um, the familiarity with Tommy Reese certainly, I'm sure, made that a little bit easier. But when you look at this quarterback position with Julian saying coming in, you got a, a returning starter and uh, and Jalen Milrow who's continued to grow and do a lot of good things. You still really like what you got in Dylan Lonergan, probably. And of course, you know, Ty Simpson's made a lot of growth. I don't know what his future holds, but I know that, I mean, I'm sure if I had to guess, the coaching staff would love to keep him because he's made some good progress, at least from what I've been able to see in the limited time against Kentucky and UT Chattanooga. We'll see what ends up happening with it, but Alabama's quarterback spot going into this offseason, at the very least, you're going to feel a lot better about it than you probably did going into last offseason. You will. And Jimmy, we know the dynamic entirely different. We anticipate going into 2024. You know, as Clint said, you, you just aren't going to keep five scholarship quarterbacks most season. I think Alabama was able to do that because it truly was an open competition going into August of, of this year. And even going into September of this year, that had the feel of that. It's not going to have that same feel you would think, going into 2024, given what we've seen from Jalen Milrow. Yeah, I'm not going to predict who's leaving. I'm not going to predict that because that's not fair uh, at all. And I don't want, just speaking personally, I don't want any of them to leave. But I will be shocked if all five guys are still with the team next August. I'll, I'll be very surprised because that's not what I see in college football in 2024 anywhere else that anywhere else has not just five but five that they like I mean and and I think that's that's the way that Alabama staff looks at these guys uh Ty Simpson to me looked ready now he's not a threat to take Jalen Milrow's job no one is Jalen Milrow is going to be one of the best starting quarterbacks in college football in 2024 but I thought Ty Simpson looked ready down the stretch uh the kid that I saw at Kentucky I'm like that he's ready to play uh, maybe he wasn't in Tampa, but now he is. He's ready to play. Uh, I think Dylan Lonergan, we've all heard the whispers. We, I think we all know uh, that the staff is very high on Dylan Lonergan's future. Uh, Eli Holstein is the same kid that they recruited. Big, strong, big arm, surprisingly athletic. Uh, and, of course, Julian saying the number one quarterback in the country in the 2024 class. So they like all these guys. I'm sure they would like them to stay. I know I would like them to stay, but it's just very unrealistic that uh, that basically what about nine months from right now that we're going to be discussing all five of these guys in fall camp in 2024 at Alabama. That that just doesn't seem realistic to me. I guess what's happened this week too has got me head on a swivel when it comes to quarterbacks, first team, second team, third team. Because I just saw two elite programs lose starting quarterbacks to the transfer portal. Now, maybe those teams, I can't imagine Oklahoma being just totally okay with Dylan Gabriel moving on. Um, McCord uh, 
at Ohio State? I don't know. Uh, but, boy, it is wild times, not just in the transfer portal era, but especially uh, with the quarterback position. And absolutely a good situation. Dylan Lonergan may be freed up to play baseball. That may be a great situation for Alabama baseball coming up this spring. We'll see how that plays out, too, coming up in the ensuing months. So, guys, I, I guess all this to say that if I had some advice for our viewers and our subscribers there at BamaOnline.com, you're going to hear more rumblings about potential transfers and Alabama's interest in those moving on from other programs. And we've got a couple of expert-driven threads up on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com right now that we'll be updating continuously throughout the process. In fact, site publisher Tim Watts recently had a portal nugget for our subscribers there on the roundtable, so keep it locked there for what could be an eventful month or so. I mean, guys, just in the last few days, guys like Chris Paul Jr., the linebacker from Arkansas, a couple of standouts from Florida, and perhaps the entire defensive line from Texas A&M have been linked to UA in some form or fashion. So, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, Jimmy, uh, what, what, what advice would you have for our viewers and subscribers at this point? Um, this is extremely difficult to do. Uh, maybe it's my, my superpower that I'm able to do this, and I hope I can share it with everyone else. Uh, but this is what you have to learn to do believe everything and believe nothing at the same time. So everything you read, believe it, but don't believe anything. And, and, and that's really the, the, cause it's everything that turns out true started as a rumor, right? But is every rumor true? Not even close. Clint, so, Clint uh, it's, it's kind of like quarterback play. You get your pre-snap look. Okay. <laughs> what am I seeing? But then when the ball snapped, everything changes. You got to be able to process, Clint. You got to be able to process the information as it unfolds, right? It's fluid. Fluid's a great word in all this, I think. Remain calm. Uh, <laughs> you know, the Aaron Rodgers, take the Aaron Rodgers route and remain calm. Because, you know, in years past, I mean, even last year, guys were entering the, entering the portal. Fans are freaking out. Why is this guy entering? Why is this guy leaving? And it's like... 98 percent of the in the in those situations nick saban or alabama uh it was as much their side making that decision as it was the other side and sometimes it's just it's not a disrespect thing sometimes it's just a better you know hey we're looking at this down the road we're changing this as far as what we like to do you know it, it could it could be an attitude issue it could be a number of reasons but the point is don't freak out if you know, someone enters that you think shouldn't be entering. Uh, if Alabama wants them back and is very intent on getting them back, you'll hear rumblings of that probably. If you don't hear much on it, I, I think that can sometimes be rather telling as well. And so just understand. And I hope that through last year and all the freaking out that happened, you know, JV on Cohen enters the portal. He's a, a multi-year starting guard. He He's leaving. Everybody's freaking out. How do you think uh, Alabama's looked at left guard this season with Tyler Booker? So, you know, hopefully through this process and, and the way Alabama has looked and grown this season, uh, fans will more so understand that there's a, a method behind the madness. Yeah, Jimmy, this isn't a program like Ole Miss. And kudos to Lane Kiffin because they basically come up with a new team, it seems like, at a lot of critical spots every year. One ten games this year. So this isn't to knock that approach. It's just that some programs have to take that way to get to where they want to get to. I guess the luxury still for Nick Saban in Alabama 
is that you can cherry pick. So while you may hear tens of names associated with Alabama, I think Clint's point too is when it comes right down to it, that total number probably not going to be much more than four or five or six as we've seen the last few years. History is your guide. I mean, history is the best, the best, the best method to predict the future is to look at the history and the history says Alabama supplements. They, they sign the majority of their new talent through high school recruiting. And then they supplement through the portal uh, might be two guys, might be three guys, might be a maximum of five or six seems to be sort of a, the max of coach Saban's comfort level makes perfect sense. Look, Alabama's not South Alabama. I mean, I had a, a, a Sunbelt coach tell me one time about recruiting in the portal. He told me, uh, look, I'm honest. I, I I can't go into a high school and convince a kid not to sign with the SEC. A kid with SEC talent, he's not going to sign with me. He's going to go to the SEC. But you know where I can get SEC talent? Out of the portal. A kid that's in the portal from an SEC school that, that was frustrated because he couldn't play. Now I can go get kids like that where I couldn't get them before. Well, Alabama's not in that position at all. Alabama's in a position of, hey, uh, we can sign whoever we want out of the high schools generally, and we get the talent we want and develop them in the way we want them developed. But things happen. You end up with a, you need a Band-Aid here and there. You need a, a plug-in starter at this spot or this spot. But uh, I think the way Alabama and Nick Saban handles it is perfect for Alabama. But every school has a completely different situation, and every school has to adjust uh, based on what their needs are. And I get Lane Kiffin building Ole Miss through the portal or primarily through the portal. I get it. But that's nothing that Alabama has to do. And it's nothing that Georgia's doing. It's nothing that Ohio State's doing. All the programs that are like Alabama tend to be recruiting similarly to Alabama in terms of the portal and, and high school recruiting. Yeah, Clint, there's, there's want and there's need, right? Like, man, when I see Trevor Etienne hit the portal – that dude can go now. I think of Jameer Gibbs when I think of Trevor Etienne. I know some people talk about Rocket Sanders of Arkansas and nice back, don't get me wrong. But if you're going to ask me if I had a choice anywhere of those two guys, boy, thinking about Trevor Etienne, it's a, it's a thought. But again, we know Alabama has promising young players at the running back position. So that's probably more of a want, but I think about inside linebacker and Deontay Lawson with the injury history and anticipating, I guess, Trez Marshall, I guess, maybe moving on. You get Jihad Campbell coming back, but it seems like there's some uncertainty depth-wise. So a guy like Chris Paul Jr. of Arkansas, when I hear a name like that at a position like that, it tends to capture my attention a little bit more. What about you? Yeah, it's so interesting. They got four commitments currently, if I'm not mistaken, with off-ball linebackers and when you look at actual departures now granted there could be some through the transfer portal in fact i would probably assume that there will be but um you know it, I, that's i think there's a reason for that right i mean when you have that many coming in which those are you can now view some of these high school guys as more developmental you know you can develop them into the deontay lawson so he didn't step on campus from day one and was the guy that we see today uh jihad campbell last year didn't play a whole lot He's now a big-time part of uh, Alabama's, I would say, linebacker rotation, but really he's technically a starter um, and, you know, doing a lot of really good things. And so some of those young guys at the linebacker position, sometimes that takes a while. And you so you might want to 
you know, um, complement that a little bit with a veteran presence. But I do find it interesting, the entire transfer portal side of things, the way Alabama's approached it. Do you, this is a question that I have for both of you, as far as the way that they were approaching it previously, it, it felt like it was bigger name guys that they were familiar with, that they recruited at one point, Henry Toa Toa. You go back to like Landon Dickerson, uh, but Jamison Williams, you know, he was brought in at a position of need and to fill a certain void. He ended up being a superstar, I think, and I don't even think Alabama was expecting him to be that caliber of player. Uh, but Jameer Gibbs felt more like a luxury where it's like a, a player of that caliber enters the portal, not necessarily in a huge need, but it's like they're going to go. I mean, they're going to go after certain guys who maybe have that superstar potential, even though they feel good about the guys they already have in the room. But through the key and Amos additions and the impact that they've had. Now, granted, I could be wrong. Uh, Key's a UAB guy, so he's in state. Maybe Nick Saban was pretty familiar with him. Was able to watch the LSU game. Obviously, Jalen Key had a big performance there. Uh, but Amos, maybe the familiarity with Billy Napier played a part. The fact that Louisiana was pretty good under Napier, and he watched him a little bit then. Uh, but it just it feels like the familiarity with those two players, it felt more of, okay, there aren't a whole lot of guys out there who we feel like we can trust that we are familiar with, but we really need to address when Jacquez Robinson and uh, Trey Quan Fagans both entered the transfer portal. It felt like there was a need to fill some depth spots, but both have made a major impact. I just wonder, do you think that was the step that was needed to make Alabama kind of get out of its comfort zone uh, a little bit more often moving forward? Yeah, you know, I, I it does feel like – here, here's a perfect example to me. Now, of course, we don't know who the staff knows. We don't know that. But there's two names associated with Alabama right now that we, we've talked about on, on the roundtable, and Tim Watts and, you know, has talked about this. LT Overton, here's a guy Alabama knows. They know him. This feels like what Alabama has done in the past, right? They know this guy. So there's probably some level of comfort with, hey, we recruited him, we wanted him. Uh, we liked him. We know him. We're comfortable with him. So even though we feel pretty good about defensive line because you got Keenan, you got Otis, you got Damon Payne coming back, you got Jamarian Latham coming back, you got James Smith developing maybe into a star. So we feel okay with this spot, but we like this guy. We know this guy. So we're going to bring him in. On the other hand, Chris Paul, uh, you know, I, I don't recall Alabama recruiting him, uh, or at least him being a high priority for Alabama uh, as a high school recruit. He's a guy that apparently has caught their eye, probably in preparation for playing Arkansas and just being familiar with the SEC West. You have a need at inside linebacker, possibly with Trez moving on. Deontay's been injured. Maybe Deontay's moving on. We don't know that as we as we record this. Maybe you have a need, and it's not so much, hey, what inside linebacker do we know? It's, hey, this guy's really good, and he's a fit with, with what it is that we need. So I, I'm with Clint. I, I see it as a mixture of, hey, sometimes we know this guy, and we're really comfortable with him. And then sometimes it's like, hey, when we have a need, uh, being comfortable with someone's out the door. We just sort of need a dude, and this guy looks to be a good fit physically with what it is that we're looking for. Well, with Paul and Overton, you're also talking about two guys Alabama has coached against the last few years. So there's that familiarity too. And with all these analysts now and how they break things down to the most granular aspect of things, you know, you could have some analysts saying, look, 
this guy, I know he's at AM, but he'd be a great fit for us. And when I look at LT Overton, I think measurable, 6'5", 265. We talked about Damon Payne. We talked about Tim Keenan, Jaheim Otis. You've got those kind of guys, right? You got the 6'3", 6'4", 320 types. Justin Aboigby's more of the Overton type, a DL, more of an end that you can move inside. So, you know, that could make some sense. You're losing Justin Aboigby. You got Jordan Renaud coming along who could be that type of guy as well. But Overton may already be there. I think a lot of times is they're viewing guys too as bridge guys. You know, Jalen Key, can he get us to that next round of safeties? Um, same thing with Trey Amos. You know, go ahead and get him in the system because he's a multi-year guy. That was the great thing about Trey Amos. He not only came up big for you in a huge spot last Saturday, but you should have him for another year in case Terry and Arnold and uh, Kool-Aid move on to the National Football League. I think Tyler Buckner was initially viewed as potentially a bridge guy to whoever you thought might be the guy if it wasn't Jalen Milrow. So, yeah, there's so many things that come into play. And intangible is a big part of it, too. I think, unfortunately, having some background with folks that are in this stuff on the on the programs, on the football side of things at other places, not Alabama, so many of these guys, they don't even know their academic status when they hit the portal. And that, you know, that's tough because some of these guys don't, they don't come from programs where the academic support staff is what it is at Alabama and some other places. That's another benefit for these guys at Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. The academic support almost ensures they're going to be fine to move on to their next stop. You got guys coming from, you know, group of fives or low D1s or FCS. You know, they may not even know when they hit the portal. They just jump in there and, boy, you see some see some casualties as a result. Well, yeah, and, and that's kind of – I think that was the biggest part in the initial stages of the portal for Alabama was if we recruit a guy that we've recruited and are familiar with, we know his personality. We know if he would fit with us as far as – you know, because you've gone through that process. You've got to know his family. Um, and just all those different, you're familiar with them. I mean, that just, uh, that's, and I think that was a huge part early, but as you've learned how to navigate the transfer portal more and look into guys' backgrounds, it almost becomes more NFL draft, you know, related, right? I mean, when someone's getting drafted, they, they turn over every stone on a guy's personality, family background, history, and all those things to make sure they're getting the right guy fit for their organization. I don't think it's quite to that degree, but I think it's a lot more towards that than people realize. And, you know, you, you bring in some guys and sometimes they're not a fit in their you know mindset or the way they've been coached and they've got culture. some bad habits. And, you know, I think that was probably, I wouldn't say it was a, a culture issue with Eli Ricks, but he had had so much success at LSU doing it his way. So why would he come to Alabama and do it Alabama's way? His way had gotten him to be really good. So there's like a, you know, a high school recruit he comes in and he's not, he hadn't established himself on that level yet. So it's a lot more moldable uh, compared to a guy like Eli Ricks, who it's like, I mean, you got to do these little things right or you're not going to be effective. And it's like, well, I was effective over there and I didn't do these things. So I got, why do I got to do them here? And I'm not saying like that he had a bad attitude or anything like that, but I am saying it's tougher. Uh, but there was familiarity there from recruiting him coming out of high school when they knew that he had the personality where they could reach him and, you know, motivate them and do all those things they needed to do. And so that plays a part in it as well. But that's just uh, the transfer portal is really interesting. And I think every year that it's that it's been a thing, 
coaches are learning how to navigate it more. And I think that they're, you know, for Alabama, it's so much fit, whether it be schematically or whether it be culturally. And that's, I think, you know, you don't want to bring in somebody that's a superstar, but they don't have the right attitude or, you know, they're not getting fit into your locker room or they're going to be a diva or something like that. So, um, you know, Alabama's got talent all over the place. They don't have to have those kind of players. And, you know, I think that plays a role. So sometimes if they're going after somebody, they feel comfortable with them and they've at least done their homework enough where they feel confident in their ability to come in. And I will say, I think Trey Amos and Jalen Key in particular are going to go down as two very important guys and CJ Dupree as well. I think you probably throw him in there too, just from being guys that kind of changed the approach of Alabama and the transfer portal. The fact that you bring all three of those guys in and they were all success stories, uh, I think is pretty big. Yeah, and as we get out of here, Jimmy, we need to note that Coleman Hutzler has been made official as the new defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. Spent the last couple of years at Alabama coaching outside linebackers and special teams. I'd say both those areas improved over a year ago, and I say that knowing that Will Anderson played one of those outside linebacker positions in 2022. But that group as a whole this year has been really a positive, and the kicking game has improved. So. Congrats to Coleman Hutzler, who's going to take over that state defense under new head coach Jeff Levy. What about that, Jimmy? Well, he, uh, you know, again, his guys were very productive this season, the outside guys. I mean, Turner and Braswell, probably the best duo in uh, in college football in terms of applying consistent pressure from the edge. They're probably the best duo out there uh, in part due to Coleman Hutzler's coaching and in part due to uh, DNA. I mean, these guys were pretty good. They were going to be, they were going to be hard to mess up, you know, but, uh, he, he did do a good job getting a uh, production out of his guys, uh, this particular season. And he obviously has a, uh, a really good relationship with Jeff Levy. They were both on staff together at Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin. Uh, and, and this is Levy's, uh, choice and, uh, Hey, it's an opportunity. Nick Saban's the best there's ever been at, uh, upgrading, you know, he, he loses a staff member and upgrades. It would not surprise me at all for uh, Nick Saban to just simply uh, bring in another outstanding coach. Uh, the edge spot, you, you want a good recruiter there because you've got to be good rushing the passer, right? So that, that guy's not only got to be good coaching his guys, he's got to be someone that the five stars want to play for. So uh, look for Nick Saban to, uh, to, to, to work his magic again in the hiring portal. Yeah, the hiring portal. Uh, Clint, how about that ring endorsement from Jimmy Stein? Hey, State fans, he won't mess your defense up. <laughs> hey, I will give. I didn't promise that. I will give. Uh, I will give Hutzler credit. Um, you seen I, he, last year? It kind of felt like the outside linebacker group was somewhat of a disappointment. I think Will Anderson was so interesting because. Everybody knew he was like number one pick status or top three or top five at the very least. And it's like you you don't want to get that player injured. You want to protect him as much as possible. Um, you know, that it, it, it becomes a difficult situation. Dallas Turner was in a lot more prove-it mode this year. He was very highly thought of, but he was not this top five lock that Will Anderson was. So it was a different approach. But what I'll give Hutzler credit for is, A, the, the special teams has seemingly improved, but also – there has been development from a pass rushing perspective. Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell both. I still think Braswell needs to develop a couple of more counter moves to help with the arsenal. But as far as Dallas Turner, he was a raw ball of clay uh, the last couple of years. Just 
freaky traits. And I, you know, I don't think he's a finished product by any means, but I think today he is a much more technically sound outside linebacker than he was even a year ago. The same can be said for Chris Braswell. You love his improvement and how comfortable he is now dropping into coverage. He's not Dallas Turner on that front, but he's close. Uh, and, you know, I will say that just putting weight on him, getting him to learn how to set the edge better across the board, run stopping, pass rushing, dropping into coverage. They're much better players today, and some of that is DNA. I 100% agree. But we also have seen a lot of Alabama high-quality defenders come out, and maybe they weren't a technically refined finished product. And I think that those two guys are a lot closer to that today than they were a year ago. Well, we're not a finished product here on this show either, but we're about finished for today. Got to get that outside linebacker special teams hot board going guys there at the round table jimmy's available amaonline.com <laughs> very name south Sunseri, <laughs> lance throw them up there <laughs> you are going to hear those names a bunch, right yeah that's all it's the name you know fan that's what fans fans love the name they know absolutely hey absolutely. work with kevin Steele. keep it going man bring them hey. all back yeah old dogs love it Hey, um, good stuff as always, guys. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, and, of course, we appreciate the viewers and subscribers out there. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, we certainly hope you'll hit that button right now. Turn on those notifications. You'll get all of our video content as it drops right here on the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. And, of course, you want to be right there with us at BOL, the roundtable, our premium message board. That's where you're going to learn everything first as we get it anyway. There's where you're going to get it first. The roundtable at BOL. For Clint Lamb, Jimmy Stein, Travis Schreier, thanks again. Until next time, so long, everybody.